Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are you doing, Celine? I'm doing quite well. Uh, no complaints. We've had a great spring so far, so... Oh, so you're having spring, right. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> What's that like? It's 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 actually quite lovely. It's uh you know sometimes we go straight from winter to summer here like it just it, it yeah. just turns hot on a dime and everybody wilts because they're not ready for it. So it's kind of it's been kind of nice to have it unfold as a proper season. Oh that's yeah that's got to be lovely. Uh yeah. we are getting our either third or fourth atmospheric river of the Dude, year even, tomorrow. I don't even know. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, this will this will make a reappearance as a theme of my life in the baseline <laughs> picks. <laughs> no Already. doubt. Yeah. Uh, what's your pull this week? Well, I thought we'd start with uh, some training questions because we got some from uh, from some listeners, and you know, cool. segues actually quite nicely into what I wanted to talk about. So, this uh, listener Jason asked, "How do you train for everything?" Which I thought was actually a really funny question because, yeah, that's 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 a good question. Anyway, he continues and he says, I'm currently training for a double century in July, but I would also like to spend some time doing things to vary my endurance training routines, uh, specifically intervals, it looks like. He says, however, I feel a little weird doing interval training in the middle of a 75-mile bike ride. What would you suggest as a panacea to this problem, he asks, which... Uh, made me laugh in and of itself because I, I don't have panaceas to any of my problems. But, <laughs> um, but I have some ideas, um, as did another listener. I mean, it, I love when people help each other out here on uh, the pace line. Uh, somebody chimed in, Sean, an ultra-endurance cyclist, said uh, one way that he mixes it up and pushes himself is to go on long rides with people who are faster than he is or do like a group ride, you know, where the pace is pretty close to his own, but he knows that people are going to be like, you know, he can sit in the front and do some work and all that kind of stuff. And um, I thought that was really good advice because I do a lot of both of those things, all of those (laughs) things. Um, I spent a whole lot of seasons doing structured training, and that usually meant that I would have some short and medium length rides with intervals, you know, specific intervals worked within them, you know, whether it's Tabatas mm-hmm. or two by twenties or what, you know, whatever it would be. Um, and then I'd have my longer endurance based stuff on the weekend. But I've also done what Sean suggests is just going out with like a couple of people, you know, two or three who are close to my pace, but are a little bit on the faster side just to keep, you know, pushing things or do that kind of a group ride where, you know, it's going to get spicy, right? So it's like, it's, it's within your pace, but they're going to push it on hills. There's known town sign sprints, all that kind of stuff that is just like built in Mm -hmm. interval work, but a whole lot more fun. Right. It's just like it's a good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to do it. And if it, if you're by yourself on long rides, you can do this stuff on your own and, and you probably should. You know, I mean, if, if you're not doing any intensity, you need to do some intensity. And uh, yep. and there's nothing to say you shouldn't do that within a 75 mile ride, because there's going to be times when you're doing your event that you're going to have to push hard. Right. And it's just good. It's good. Yeah. It's good practice. If you can't do intensity on a longer ride. You're going to suffer at some point. That's going to bite you sooner or later. Totally, totally. And, you know, it is not the easiest when you're by yourself. And I, 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 I know that and I relearned it again this Saturday. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you relearn the same stuff over and over through different prisms of your life. But anyway, my husband helps put on this charity ride called the Monkey Knife Fight. Um, <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> it is an 
awesome name. We cannot take credit for it. Uh, the bike shop owner who started it now 10 years ago, I can't believe this thing is happening, came up with it. Uh, Mark Bowman at South Mountain Cycles came up with it. And the idea was to have this, it's, it's kind of spring classic-y, but it's also... It's a, it's a it's a long ride. It's seventy five miles. It's got at this point more than eight thousand feet of climbing, and all yeah, all the climbs are dirt. Like so, like the idea is to push it up like the segment climbs, like the hard dirt climbs, and you know they're not just unpaved. Some of them are like no winter maintenance, which is sort of beyond unpaved if they're barely maintained at all. They're very steep. They hit 30%. Like there's one goat hill that literally kisses 30% midway through just where it gets really soft. So it's, it's, it's legit hard. It's, and there's not a whole lot of rhythm to it. Like it's meant to be, you know, all your money goes search cancer. It's meant to be a beat down. Like it's meant to be, <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. And the event is is this Saturday, but I'm helping out, so I can't ride it this year. So I had planned to do the full route, kind of reconning the whole thing, because we've made some changes with my usual training partner on Saturday. Except I was, all my stuff's laid out. I had taken, you know, Friday easy. I had planned my whole Saturday Uh-oh. around this. Yeah, you know what's coming. Uh, seven, because we always get out early at 7.30 in the morning. So I'm laying down in bed. I'm like, all right, good to go. And the phone buzzes. And it's Mike. And it's, uh, I'm out for tomorrow. Really sorry. So <laughs> I had already planned my weekend and training around having this very difficult five hour. And, you know, it's five hours and change, really, a day ride the next day. Um, and I turned off the light and I just resigned that I was going to do it by myself. Um, and okay. I did. Yeah, I mean, I thought about texting other people, but I'm like, who am I going to text at 11 o'clock tonight and be like, hey, do you want to ride 8,000 feet of climbing with me tomorrow? Who wants to do the monkey knife fight with me tomorrow? Um, that's, a, that's a way to get a reputation. Yeah, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not above that, but I just decided it, it, it was just, it just wasn't the best idea. So I got up. I mean, the, the plus side was I could go out a little later. Um, you know, I didn't have to get up at 630. I, I went out at nine. Um, and I did push some of the climbs that I planned to push. But you know what? It, it really it was not the same. It was not the mm-hmm. same. Uh, yeah. There was definitely less wind in my sails. I questioned it a lot. <laughs> Why are you out here? <laughs> it, it took, it, you know, it was a very mental day because I, kn- I knew what was coming, too. It wasn't like I was doing this ride in some different place. I know these hills. I've done them now for 10 years on this ride. So I didn't have anyone to talk to or distract me as I was like, oh, my God, dear Lord, I still have bull, Mary, goat, locust, you know, like all these were like I still knew I had like the really hard ones coming up. And really no one to inspire me just to pick it up midway on some of the like the like there's one that's 3.4 miles long. And I was just like, it's. You know, so, I mean, in some ways it was great because I looked around and I enjoyed it maybe in a different way. But um, I don't know. I have this philosophy, and I always say this, like when I give little talks to people and groups, I say, it's the rides you don't want to do that get you where you want to go. Like, I, 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 it's just something that I believe in. Um, Like making yourself go out in the rain or when it's cold or when your training partner can't make it and now you're by yourself. You know, it's going to make you stronger in ways that all those mentally easier rides can't. But man, some of those are definitely harder than others. And I'm still parsing out maybe what I got out of this one. (laughs) You know, I'm not I'm not entirely sure yet, but maybe that will be revealed at another time. But, uh, you know, I did it. I was I was glad I did it. It 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 didn't mean a lot to me that I that I didn't just because I would have been sad if I had been like, eh, I'm not going to do it. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I'm curious about your thoughts, uh, especially like. Now that you're staring down DK 200 and you probably have some of these training questions going on yourself, like, do you do your harder efforts solo? Do you like, are you working stuff into long rides? You know, what's going on in your training life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I do a whole lot of riding by myself. Yeah. Uh, That's for, that's for two different reasons. There are probably more little reasons 
surrounding that, but there are two primary reasons. One is there's just not a big group ride culture here in Santa Rosa. Yeah, it's you've the mentioned most that. bizarre thing. Yeah. So, you know, there's not just a Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon ride to show up to. The Tuesday Night Twilights started this week. So there's this Twilight Crit series that happens over in the fairgrounds, but it's 25 bucks a race. And mm-hmm. I... You know, and then with kids and whatnot, it's like spending $25 to have my boys fighting on the sidelines. <laughs> um, you know, I can go home for free and let them do that. Yeah, yeah. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is, you know, from Monday to Friday, my ride time has to be, I have to conduct my ride between 8 a.m. and yeah. about 5.30 p.m. I'm in the same boat, so I understand that. And Everyone's yeah, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of alone. And it's, you know, it's got me asking some interesting questions. Like, well, you know, I know on the day when I get out there, I'm going to be working with groups and whatnot. And so I'll be able to ride at pacing that I wouldn't if I was just on my own here pedaling mm-hmm. around Sonoma County. So there's a, a big question in terms of, well, how long does my longest ride need to be? Now, when I was road racing, that was a really easy question to answer. You don't have to ride any longer than the amount of time that's going to elapse as you do that road race. So if you do an 80 mile road race in three and a half hours, which was a pretty routine thing for me, I really didn't need endurance for more than about three and a half hours. Okay. But I'm going to do 200 miles. I mean, we're looking at optimistically 14 hours. Super optimistically. I also, I also don't want to. Uh, you should. You should know that it, you you may find yourself alone more than you think you're going to find yourself alone. Uh, yeah. No. And I I accept that. And you know that is one of the upsides to training as much as I do by myself. Yeah. I don't I don't have any problems being with myself that way. Um, yeah. And I don't have any problems putting my nose in the wind. But, you know, the, I have a very real question, which I was actually planning on running by you sometime soon in terms of like, good grief, there's no way I can go out and do a 200 mile training ride. No, no you shouldn't. No, 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 you shouldn't. Um, but I, I do think, I think, man, if you can do 150, you should. Like I, it, because it gets, it gets weird after it, like, it's kind of like right. when you train for a marathon and people never go over 20, like whenever people train for a running marathon, I know there's lots of different philosophies out there. I'm always like, I don't care if you do 20.3 miles, go over 20, like, because things, that's a quarter of your race and it, it's the hardest quarter of your race and it, everything changes. Like so much <laughs> is different at that point. And right. it's the same with the, I've done three of them now, these 200 mile gravel mm-hmm. things. And after 150, stuff gets weird. It's just, it, it, right. so psychologically, I think you would do yourself a huge favor. Nutritionally, I think you would do yourself a huge favor to hit that benchmark. And then mm-hmm. event day magic will get you home. But like, I do think like, I, I'm a firm believer in that because it'll probably take you you know, you're going to push into that 10 hour zone, which is also really important. Like then you'll know how your neck's going to be, how your stomach's going to be, how your back, like all that stuff. Cause if you don't get there, it's all going to be a surprise. And you, I don't think you want that. And you know, you will yeah. have stuff to distract you and you will have stuff to, you know, I don't, you're not going to be alone the whole time. I mean, you will, pe- people come and go, you know, like any of those things, but it, it's 200 miles, so stuff gets strung out. And it, you, you can't, right. you have to stay within your own pace. So if someone's going slower or faster, you really just don't change that much to stay with them unless they're close, you know, because otherwise it's just, it's just not working. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am cognizant of that is what I will say. And, you know, we've had conversations here before and certainly I talked with Yuri Hoswald and some of the other yeah. guys who did the 200 two years ago when I was there to do the 100. And yeah, there was a lot of discussion of the darkness that falls, you know, somewhere around mile 160. 160 is, is when, when you can start to see that the, the tunnel coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the way knowing, out is through. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get that in, in a 100 effort somewhere around mile 65, mile 70. Right. There's no a, man's land. Mm. Well, it's, it's magnified when you get there. Cause you're still like, you're like, 
oh my God, I still have. Like you start doing math and just like, okay, don't think about it. <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah. 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 So I, I, I have some concerns that way. Um, I, you know, I do miss doing group rides because of what you get out of them. In Can terms you do of, what I suggested a couple of weeks ago, like riding to one of your, I know the grasshoppers would be hard to do that. It's, but. Well, no, it's going to happen. I'm not sure I'll be okay. able to ride to a grasshopper, do the grasshopper and ride home. But I am definitely going to ride home from the next hopper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can do that, because at least then it's very similar. You'll get like some of that. You can push yourself in there as you want. You can practice your eating and then you can like, you know, just get yourself home and just see how it all how it all feels. Yeah. And this week, this weekend, uh, amidst all the falling rain, I'm going to do something longer. I don't yet know how long, but I'm going to do something longer this weekend. And I'm going to do like you suggested, you know, multiple loops heading out from home so I can come back and get more food. And well, you know what, too, I don't think it would be a disservice to yourself to do a long, terrible suffering ride on your trainer because dirty, (laughs) dirty Kansas, I think what I think what people don't realize about what makes that event so, so difficult is that you never, ever coast. You never, ever stop pedaling. The terrain is such that you don't coast. And that makes it very different from most events that most of us, at least where I am on this coast, we mm-hmm. coast. We have, I mean, oh, it, yeah. For sure. I mean, so it's, it's broken up so differently. You have this recovery that you just don't get out there. You just don't get it. So I, I, I always like say it's kind of akin to riding your rollers for 10 hours. So, I mean, doing doing something insufferable inside might mm-hmm. not be the worst way to incorporate it. Like, so you don't have to be out in the drenching rain is what I'm saying for like right. all right. that time. You could totally just like come in, drop your wet clothes, get on your trainer and finish up, you know, inside. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty terrific point. Uh, I mean, Rationally speaking, I, I'm not finding it all that attractive. It's not attractive, <laughs> and that's good for you. You you need yes. to be uncomfortable yeah. and unhappy for a while on your trainer to, uh, yeah, and then it'll and right. then it'll be better when you're out there in the prairie. Yeah, pedaling. and that's where I think the the whole group riding thing is also really useful because you know back to Jason's original question. One of the things that comes in doing group rides is someone's going to attack when you most want them not to. (laughs) And so, you know, having to dig at exactly the moment where it's like, I'm going to come apart. Something's going to fall off of me and I'm not sure if I'm going to pull over to stop and grab it. You know, it could be a leg, it could (laughs) be an ear, something's going to come off if we keep this up. And that, I don't want to call it discipline, But that ability to respond when someone else attacks so that you stay in the group uh, or follow the attack, whatever, those sorts of things where the discipline is forced upon you instead of, oh, I'm going to give myself one more minute before I do that next 20 minute interval. Right. Right. it's, It's it's different. You just don't get any choice. And that's a that's a pretty handy thing. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's it, it and it, it's way it's it's just more functional because as you mentioned, it's just more real. It's like a more real life scenario of what you have to be sort of mentally yeah. fit for. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things I'm counting on the grasshoppers to do for me as I'm getting ready for Dirty Kansas. Uh, there's the next to last one is uh, super uh, uh, super skags, and it's. Uh, if you do the long version, and I have to do the long version to be able to be considered a finisher of the whole series, uh, it's 95 miles with, it's not a lot of of dirt, um, 25 miles, 30 mm-hmm. miles. It's not a lot. But the kicker is that like the last 10 of the event are single track at wow. Lake Sonoma, which is just, it's insanity. I mean, you don't ride Lake Lake Sonoma as a mountain biker without a dropper post. You just don't do it. Huh. And 
I mean, this past year, as I was busy hitting the climbs, I was so shredded. I'd hit the bottom of a climb and I just get off my bike because my, my quads were too torched to get me up the steep grades with a, a 30, 32 low gear. And I just, I couldn't do it. I was just too done. And so that's the one where, you know, maybe I'll, I'll ride there from 10 miles away. I can't mm-hmm. ride there all the way from home. That's two hours getting there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't want to do that, but I might get dropped off nearby and ride there and then I'll do it. And then I'll, I'll ride home from there, provided there's enough daylight left and there should be. Right. So that'll be one of my really big days. And just the thought of getting on back on the bike after getting to that parking lot, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's, it, I, who, uh, <laughs> I just don't even, I don't even know how to describe what that evokes in me. When is that one? May. No, it's May. good timing. It's good timing. Yeah. No, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a good timing. Yeah. So I've, I've got my, I've got my stuff cut out for me, huh? Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. Well, this week I want to talk about the recent study that was done in Australia about how drivers view cyclists. Mm-hmm. This has already gotten a fair amount of traction in the cycling media for some obvious reasons. Uh, okay. To recap briefly, researchers at the universities of Melbourne and Monash asked drivers a number of questions about cyclists. And they were given the opportunity to compare them to robots, machines, or inanimate objects. The researchers evaluated how the responses showed the dehumanization of cyclists, which gave them the big takeaway that everybody's reporting on, that some people see cyclists as less than human, in some cases as no better than cockroaches. (laughs) That 31% of the respondents, fully a third told researchers that they saw cyclists as subhuman is, to say the least, upsetting. I'd run also with demoralizing and infuriating as well. What I really want to focus on, though, aren't those idiotic statements that the respondents made, but rather the implications of the study. Now, Bicycling Magazine and our friend Carlton Reed at Forbes both talked about how this obviously indicates that driver education programs are necessary. I mean, that's that's kind of a duh, right? And it is a nice idea, but seriously, if that was implemented, millions of dollars would be spent, you know, on on all, you know, that's millions of dollars in any number of different states, Right. And then even so, you're probably only going to reach 20% of the drivers. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to bet that less than half of those drivers would even change their behavior based on having been reached by that ad campaign. Before I get to my idea, let me just acknowledge that I know that what I'm about to do is just shouting into the void. (laughs) No one listening to the show needs a tutorial on why hitting a cyclist is a bad thing. I get that. Now, what I'm going to say, still not there yet, is going to sound completely crazy. But it wouldn't be very expensive, which is part of what makes it a good idea. My idea. Just enforce the bleep, 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 bleep laws that are on the books. When someone runs over a cyclist... That is not a no-fault event. Someone was acting without due caution. That's a thing, without due caution. That's liability in any number of circumstances. Throw something a cyclist, that's assault. Ticket them. Drive 200 yards in the bike lane, ticket them. This is not pie in the sky, let's make cars fly insanity. If the police would just begin enforcing the laws on the books as they regard cyclists, people will talk to their friends about getting pulled over for driving in the bike lane or for sideswiping a cyclist with their mirror. Or imagine this, actually charging people who kill cyclists with their vehicle with manslaughter just as a starting point. 
I can guarantee you word would circulate quite effectively. People would get the message in a hurry that you have to be careful where cyclists are concerned. Here's a way where we can here's a way <laughs> we can test my theory, Celine. Yes. What do you think would what would happen if you drove down the street in your car straddling the double yellow lines? Um, I would cause probably an accident and then be, uh, I would get in trouble. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that you might get pulled over before something awful happened. Probably, probably not around here, but, but there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, you know, some, something's going to get broken. Somebody's yes. going to get hurt. Yeah. And yeah, at that point, there's no chance that the police are just going to say, oh, you know, stuff happens. Be on your way. That's not a thing. But if you're on a bike, oh, stuff happens. Too bad. Oh, I, I, I agree. I don't have anything to add to any of that because I agree 100% with what you're, 100% with what you're saying. Like I, think, I said, I'm shredding into the void. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we all are. Um, but, but I do, there's something in here that... We've all experienced, I, I think, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, and it's just, it, it, it's something, it, there's a, something below the surface of this study and, and studies like this that it, I feel like it's harder to combat. Like, when you put on the helmet and the glasses, you don't look as human. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it is a thing. It's, it, that's, I mean, people talk about it with bike races, like they don't identify with the racers as much now that they have to wear helmets. And so now that, because it, it, it changes the humanness of your look. Like when Lance went up, when, remember when they, they did the hill climb and he opted not to wear a helmet because he's just like, mm -hmm. he wanted to look a little more human and not have people hitting him over the head with things. Cause you look a little more indestructible because you've got like this armor on not that right. the armor is going to you know protect you from a 2000 pound car but you do look different and i think that's the same thing that's behind there was that study where the guy pretended he put on a wig under his helmet and had the hair i think that that necessarily wasn't because people thought he was a woman it's just like it does humanize you a little bit like oh there's a look at there's that hair flowing out that's a person um I definitely, like when I wear a backpack, even if I'm in Lycra, I find that people are friendlier to me when I'm riding around town because they're like, oh, that's a person on a bike doing something, not a right. cyclist who's going out to exercise. I think there's like, there's so much more to all this. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that uh, totally psychologically agree. speaking, there's so much more to all of this that... Man, just hard to undo with with anything we're talking about, except like you say, like you know, if you enforce the laws, then it doesn't matter if they think you're don't, you're a little less than human or not. That you you still can't hit that robot with the helmet on their head. Yeah, yeah, I you're you're exactly right. I think, and I mean, you know, your former editor editor in chief at Bicycling, Peter Flax, has been doing some pretty yes. awesome work at Cycling Tips, and he's written about the phenomenon mm -hmm. of riding without a helmet and having drivers give him more room. And man, there's not another question in cycling that I find more problematic than how to approach helmet use. If we can count on that being a thing wherever you go, that drivers are going to treat you with greater regard by not wearing a helmet... I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I can't conceive of riding around without a helmet on. Even but in town. See, this is such a strange, like, it, this is a very, I, I, and I, we, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I, I don't want to be able to get myself out because I don't even know, I don't even have clear thinking myself on it, quite honestly. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I do, I do think that we do so many more dangerous things in this world that we don't put a helmet on our heads for. And, you know, that riding a bicycle is a pretty safe event and riding a bike around town, like 
chances are real good nothing's going to happen to you. And I understand. I don't, please don't everybody at me. That I think we just have to be able to have these discussions without us all shouting at each other. But there are many places where people ride without helmets and it's fine. And their children don't have helmets. And, and it's not like the whole helmet thing. I get it. Yes, I have used mine. And I do believe it has saved me from some terrible circumstances. Um, yeah. And I, I can't conceive going on you know, any kind of real ride without it. But I, but I, but I also understand what Peter's saying and what Bill Strickland is also sort of beating that drum. I get that too. And it's, there are not easy answers, but I think the whole, the, the bigger answer is the whole, is the whole picture that we're seeing right now of places like Manhattan saying, you know what, we got too many cars in Midtown and this is ridiculous and it's not good for anything. And we're, you know, I mean, we're all moving towards that because the whole Mm -hmm. traffic thing is untenable. It just is. And even the most stubborn car people are going to at some point acknowledge that. But the infrastructure has to happen and the attitudes have to change and it's going to take time. But yeah, Yeah. it's, uh, you know, the, but it does. I think when people see you and they, you don't have it, you look more like one of them just going about your day. And it's, it's hard, you know, we, we, it's very hard to undo like whatever those psychological things are that we all like the, re, how we respond to stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've written about the phenomenon of, you know, looking like Billy Blastoff in our, you know, bright clothing and our helmets and our clicky clacky shoes and I, you know, that doesn't even go over all that well at a coffee shop, you know, and when you're out on the road, you know, just playing when everybody else has to get something done. Right. You know, holy cow, the way emotions flare over that. I, it's really kind of tough for me to understand. I, it, yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm going to explain this to the rest of the world today. <laughs> No, I'm not sure we're going to solve it here on the pace line this yeah. week, but it is. I mean, there are if, if, if there's any take home, I think that we just have to be able to have these conversations without pouncing all over each other. You know, I, I, I if I had one wish, it would be that just, <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. I eat our own. We're all really kind of on the same side and, and there are more ways to look at things than your own. I, it, I know that's very hard for some people, but I, oh, yeah. I, I think it's real important. Literally the worst attack that I ever received, uh, you know, from kind of anybody uh, at some level was a completely ad hominem attack for publishing the work of somebody else who questioned whether or not we should fight a helmet law in, I forget if it was a California or just an LA thing. It might've been a California law that was being proposed. And the person didn't even bother to notice that the byline wasn't mine. I just published (laughs) his work and he assumed that I wrote it. And the attack that ensued uh, was truly ugly. And it was one of those things where Wow. Just just for having a conversation about helmets. So it's obvious to me that there's nothing that's going to rile cyclists more at this point. I mean, Lance is over and done with. We we know the score (laughs) on doping. So now if we're going to fight over something, it seems to be it's going to be helmets. We are doing a lot of fighting about helmets. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, what do you say we move on to paceline? I'm all down with that. So I have one. Mine this week is uh, the Camelback Chase Vest. Mm. It Yes. So it, it now comes in a women's specific model. We'll get to that later. I I am a hydration pack hater. I hate them. What? Hate, hate, hate them. I will stuff my pockets. What is wrong pockets. with you? I'll do everything short of wearing one of those beer helmets on my head so I can stuff water <laughs> bottles on top of my head. <laughs> to avoid wearing a hydration pack. I I have literally almost thrown them off of hillsides. I hate them so much. But um, they just really make me nuts. There's the, having the, the something on my back and the straps and the thing, and they're hitting the back of my helmet, and they're jostling. And I just... Anyway, so... Okay. <laughs> Last October, I'm just just making my case here. Noted. Last October, <laughs> Allison Tetrick convinced me to. She came out front page. She's like, "You've got to try a chase vest." You know, like 
So I was like, all right, all right. And she left, she, you know, Camelback's a sponsor. She left one for me, so I had to try it. Um, and I, you know, I have to say, I have not, I don't use it a lot yet, but I'm going to need to use it more. And I've tried it out and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a good thing. Because on my mountain bike now, like on my, on my gravel bike, I can put on three bottles, which is pretty much what I need for most things. Although I will say wearing one from a hundred to the next rest stop at Dirty Kansas would not have been a bad idea because everybody runs out of water and three bottles are not enough. Anyway, that's why a lot of people start wearing the Chase Vest at Kanza, and Allison introduced me to it. Right. My mountain bike right now only has one bottle, okay, and that's not good enough for anything. Like, it's just not. Which is why I had such, uh, we'll call it incredulity, <laughs> at, your, at your opposition to said device. I used to be able to put two in the frame and then one underneath the saddle like I was the the queen of getting enough water on my mountain bike but I can't now um so and I'm doing some longer mountain bike races again so I'm like well I need fluid so the uh the the nice thing about the vest is it's sort of like a running hydration vest it's it sits the water sits high and tight and the harnesses are wide in the front you know hence the name vest and it just it doesn't move it stays put so you don't have that same sort of awareness of this thing sort of hanging off the back of you like mm-hmm. a baby child hanging on your back <laughs> um and it whole you know it's got like very accessible pockets in the front so you can put your stuff your your bars your gels in the front very accessible you can shove your your wrappers and things in there holds about 1.5 liters 50 ounces of water um the women's specific one is tailored to accommodate you know women's curves without smushing you uh the one knock i have which isn't on the vest per se it's just something i need to to adjust my own intuitiveness to is that i'm so dialed with bottles like i can pick up a bottle and know how much fluid it is in or no like look at my and just know how much i've taken in how much i need how much i have and i don't have that sense with a pack because it's got other things in it right it's got usually have like some food and this and i'm always like squishing the back of it like trying to squish like how much water is actually still in there um so i just i kind of like knowing it's just something that i think i'm just gonna have to dial in my own uh intuition on you know as i as i use it more but uh i do think that it's for all the things I've tried, and I've tried many, many, many over the past couple decades, this is probably the best wearable hydration solution that I have come across for uh, for pack haters like myself. And I'm not alone. Bobby Lee here at Bicycling had a very similar reaction because he is also a fellow uh, hydration pack hater, and he has he gives it a thumb up, thumbs up as well. And it's a hundred bucks, which is like right in line with you know what most packs yeah. cost. So yeah. yeah, and it's I don't know if you're thinking about that. Four DK, but all, you're all of them. They all wear them because it's sixty eight miles yep. from the from hundred to, <laughs> and that's two. That's pushing seventy miles for two bottles, three even. That's really. I hard. mean, think about how many centuries you've done that had three stops and sixty eight miles. Yeah. Yeah, Most I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there there will be farmers out there, you know, saving your life, but still, you can, you shouldn't count on that. <laughs> I'm I'm reserving my farmers for CPR and nothing else, <laughs> and bad beer. They hand you bad beer too, and I took one of those that last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got it. I've got the guys chase vest. And, oh, you do? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It really is. I still actually. Generally speaking, prefer a, a normal pack. Um, Why is that? I figure that I'm going to take three packs with me. Um, Good choice. Very smart choice. And yeah. So I'll have one at each of my rest stops. Yep. That's and the way to go. Uh, so you can just grab I, it. Yeah. And I, I also, I mean, I know myself and I know what a screw up I am. <laughs> I Okay. Years ago... I I worked with a guy who was a carpenter and one of the things that he told me as he was, you know, kind of training me to be a better helper for him uh, in terms of making everything square and plumb and true. He said, no, this has to be perfect because the moment we go up to a second story, any mistake you've been you've made uh. down here gets magnified 
wildly up there. So if you're a quarter off, a quarter an inch off here, you know, eight feet up, you're going to be off a full inch and another eight feet, you're going to be, you know, two wow. inches off and you're not going to be able to do anything. And so I, I've equated that with fueling and hydration that mm. if you make a mistake in the first 50 miles and you keep making that mistake, you're going to be way, way off at 150 miles. Yeah, that's a great metaphor. Yeah. I've never thought of it because I don't think in those terms, but that's a very well, you a solid one. You're not a screw up where fueling and hydration is. Yeah, I've made my, I've made my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since I stopped carrying a racing license, I can't explain this. I just know it to be true. Ever since I stopped carrying a racing license, I don't fuel as well. I don't drink as well as I used to, and I can get behind. I can. Yeah, you don't want to do that out there. For sure, you don't want to do that out there. And so for me, the hydration pack, my approach will just be trying to remind myself constantly, take another sip, take another sip, take another sip. Will that be the only place you have fluid, or will you have it on your bike as well? Oh, I'll have two bottles on my bike as well. Yeah. Yeah. And... I'll be loaded up with lots will of gels. Will it just be water in your pack or will you put something oh, no, in Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm not a big fan of putting things in bladders because yeah. of all the science experiments that can mm. erupt from that. Yeah. But uh, when I did the half pint two years ago, yeah, I had scratch labs in the bladder and uh, I had zero regrets other than the fact that I couldn't get the taste out of there for like six months. Yeah, it takes forever, but yeah. It's- I'll just be more careful with my flavor selection this time. <laughs> that was the matcha and green tea. And, I you know, love we, the matcha we, and green tea though. It's fantastic. But, you know, when you put pineapple in after that or just, you know, plain water, it's like, mm, 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 Probably not. Is, yeah. yeah. Not, not amazing. Uh, but- yeah, I, I'm going to be working hard to make sure I, I stay hydrated yeah, out there. Yeah, super important out there. Yeah. It's super nice to hear that Camelback has come out with a women's version of that, because I remember uh, seeing Allison in one of the originals out there, and I was wondering, like, given where that sits, I wonder... I wonder how that works, but yeah, well, that's I, it. That's the case with many packs, honestly. I mean, it's just, it's a thing. It's a, you know, but it's, yeah, they, they've, they've dialed it in pretty nicely, so... That's great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, So my pick, let me back up a second. Sure. It is continuing to rain here, as I've mentioned. Uh, Uh, Next week, I am planning to go to the DMV and uh, register an official name change. It'll be Noah from here on out. Is your pick an arc? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to start building one. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can get, you know, two by fours for like a buck 88 at Home Depot. So might as well start now. And it sounds right? like you have carpentry experience. Just like a li- a make sure the foundation is solid. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So I just seriously, I can't take the rain anymore. I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. You got, I just, I feel you. Uh, yeah. I'm having trouble keeping chains from rusting. And I'm concerned about killing bearings, if only because I've actually done that before. So my pick this week is Zwift. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we haven't discussed it before, but the reason I'm recommending it is probably a little different from what most people are hearing about Zwift right now. I'm not doing any of the group rides, any of the races. I'm almost entirely doing structured workouts. There's one in particular they call the Gorby, which, and God only knows where they found the name, uh, but it's an interval workout that can truly break me. Selena, I was thinking back on your poll a couple months ago on weight training, and one of the things I remember you talking about is how those early gains you make in weight training come too quickly for them to be as a result of growing new muscle fiber. Mm-hmm. That instead, what you were experiencing is just better muscle recruitment. Yep. That was on my mind because I saw gains after only doing that workout twice. I could just walk around the apartment and flex my quads and feel that there was just much greater muscle tension in there, much greater ability to, as you put it, recruit those muscles. There's, you know, and 
looking at the the Zwift, uh, the entirety of what they display there, uh, it's enough info to keep me amused and interested because let's face it, five minutes at your FTP is actually sometimes a lifetime. Most of the time, it's a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and one of the funny things they do is, you know, you get into that fourth minute, and the the screen starts to look a little funny, like an old TV starts to get a little blurry, uh, a little little lower For real? definition. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to thirty seconds, and it's even worse. In those last ten seconds, it's like it's not you're not cross eyed, but the the screen is going weird and then you you cross the threshold and the screen straightens out again it's hilarious that's really funny and i mean the and you you're sure that was an effect yeah well the funny thing is like the first 3 or 4 times it happened i was like wow i am really <laughs> killing myself here and then i realized wait uh, Oh, oh, that's kind of clever. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, that, this this stuff so, is solid. I mean, it, it's and and you are spot on when like there's no question that you get benefits very quickly from doing that kind of structure, and for the reasons that you're talking about. Yeah, and you know, proof and puddings and that sort of thing. Even though I was sick at that grasshopper a couple weekends ago, and really, you know, was not standard me of this season by any means. Sick me was able to finish 31st out of 40, 50 plus guys. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I went into it assuming I was going to be dead last. The only <laughs> reason I was there was just to be able to finish. You want to get so that still be in the, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there were times out there where I could feel that, you know, on the climbs, the only reason I was able to push through on a grade was because of the previous Zwift workouts. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's the psychological, neuromuscular, I should say, because it's, it's not part of doing openers, too. When people do, mm -hmm. it's just sort of that reminder of, like, recruiting that stuff. It just keeps you sharp. And that's what that means. I mean, it, it, like, that's, yeah. there's, yeah. Yeah. So. So, I seriously, I don't care who you are or what your goals are, that one workout is worth the price of a subscription. Wow. And there there are actually two different versions of the Gorby. There's another one that's like either 90 minutes or two hours. I haven't done that this season. I've just been doing How the one hour How long is the one, one that you're doing? One hour? One yeah. hour, exactly. It's 10 minutes warm up. It's five, five minute intervals and uh, separated with five minutes of rest and then a mm -hmm. five minute cool down at the end. That's which hard. Is, those are it's hard. just short enough that, you know, you'll go upstairs I, from my garage. I go upstairs. I climb in the shower. I take my shower. I get out of the shower. I'm still sweating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the other thing is I am the guy who won't do structured workouts on my own. I will not go out to some mm -hmm. forgotten highway and go do 10 minute intervals. Right. Set your lap I, button I and go. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But with Zwift, I don't have any choice unless I'm going to turn off the workout and just pedal along doing my own thing. Which is dull, very dull. No, if you're going to be on there like that, that makes it that makes it beneficial. It makes it count. I mean, that's yeah, you're getting something yeah. out of your time for sure. So cool. Yeah, and then the other thing, you know, you can actually dial what your what your FTP is. You know, mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. you want to target wattage wise. So. There's there's a really remarkable ability to to adjust that in a way that will cause self immolation. Yep. So <laughs> yeah, that's there. You have it. Yep. I'm gonna be continuing to use this year round. I really am. I I don't know why I stopped from when I was doing it before, but I'm gonna continue to do this. Maybe you had nice weather. <laughs> 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 Touche. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what that's like, so that's yeah, probably that's, something to do tell. with it. Yeah. All right, that pretty well wraps up this episode of The Pace Line. Celine, what new stuff have you published this week with bicycling? 
Um, I got a couple things. One short thing. I talk about strength training all the time, but it was a pretty interesting study about, um, they did a, it was epidemiological, but they found that strength training reduced cancer risk, which is not new. They have found that before, but it seemed to be markedly, uh, effective on colon cancer risk. It reduced it by, there was 25% in the study that they found, which is, which is high. Uh, yeah. And they, they, there's speculation that's because of the blood sugar control element of it, but strength training is extremely good for blood sugar control, and there's a link with colon cancer with that. So put up, put up that, and i always looking for good excuses to send people to the weight room at least a little bit. And then the other part piece I did this week that I think would be beneficial for people is I did a little gravel riding primer. So it's pretty much if you're interested in gravel, what is it? You know, what do you actually need a bike? How do you find gra- the whole thing? So had a little bit of fun with it, interviewed some people and uh, that's on the site now. Cool. Is this something that we may find in a book? In yep. the not- uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm working on it. Yes, I am working on a book and this is, this is a, thought processes and stuff from that. So little, little teaser, if you will. Cool. Cool. Nice. Um, earlier this week, I posted a meditation on what we're looking at when we ride a trail that we've been on dozens or even hundreds of times before. Interesting to me. Yeah. The reality I think is that we are both looking at the trail and not remotely focusing on the trail at all. Yep. That place where the mind (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it can happen on Swift too. <laughs> uh, that place where the mind goes during a ride is a big piece of really what drives me as a writer. Totally. Alrighty. Hey, keep those questions coming. Uh, you all have been sending great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments or email us. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. This week's show is an interview with Bryce Gracie of Number 22 Bicycle Company, which won Best in Show at NABS with Bryce's personal bike. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.